Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I am joined once again by my wife, the one and only Grace, also known as Grace the Gorilla. How's it going, Grace? It's going well once again. Cool. So we did uh, an episode last week, lockdown under this pandemic, now over two months, and uh, we we talked a, a bit about, answered some questions from BJA members and, and talked about kind of getting into Advantage Play and some of the things we had to work through and talk through and what that was like. And we are back to kind of do part two and answer the rest of the questions, which I must say is no small feat when we've got six kids of which five of them were homeschooling uh, under pandemic quarantine. So, uh, but, but we're here. We are here. We're here. We might be interrupted by children, but we're here. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we're going to... We're gonna try to do this, um, and we'll we'll see if we need to pause for kids that need any number of things. But here we go. So, what I wanted to do is do a little bit of recap. We got uh, married almost 17 years ago, and I had you know had a friend that introduced me to card counting as an idea. We got married, and I convinced you. You did to uh, take. $2,000 of our, I believe, $6,000 savings and try this card counting thing. And it, it happened to work. Um, but you were, when I started counting cards, you were 20, not even old enough to go in the casinos. What started out as a way to try to, you know, maybe make 10 bucks an hour mm-hmm. when I wasn't substitute teaching grew into within a couple months, making 50 bucks an hour. Within six months, I was making one to $200 an hour. Um, grew from there, turned into a team and you had zero interest in learning how to count cards, correct? Um, yeah, I think definitely from the beginning, I thought it wasn't going to be something for me. But I wouldn't say it continued. I mean, obviously, it didn't pan out that I had zero interest. Well, you ended up having interest in being a Gorilla BP. I did, yes. I, I, I The idea of lone wolf... Uh, Card counting I wasn't uh, an appeal to me. I think you were a little intimidated by doing all the the parts, the counting, the true count, yeah. mm-hmm. all that stuff. I saw the training that you guys did with your team and what you expected, and I thought, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but then something <laughs> changed maybe around kid number two or three. Yeah, That anything to get a break and get away. Yeah, so I don't... It, I want to say it was probably your idea to, you know, have these... Let's just assume it was. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll assume it was your idea. Okay. To do these, basically get the grandparents to watch the kids, fly to mm-hmm. Vegas, and and do this Gorilla BP thing. I was all for it because running a team, I like to contribute. I, I like doing a few trips a year and helping the team out and generating EV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't play a lot of places in Vegas. No. Whereas with you, it was like a fresh start. Yes, it and was. and uh, we talked about your. Did we talk about your training? Uh, maybe briefly. Uh, I know, like I used some app. Or, it, it was wasn't... it was a uh, Blackjack Institute, which at yes. the time was Mike Aponte from the MIT team. It was his website, and they had a little basic strategy. Yeah, so drill. I practiced on that, and then I practiced just dealing to myself um, on in our living room on our coffee table, uh, and I did that quite a bit. And then you would deal to me, and that was basically the extent of <laughs> my training. Well, we got you to the point where you were flawless at basic strategy, and we had our, um, basically the way a Gorilla BP works, folks, for those who don't know, the idea of a Gorilla BP is you don't have to do the amount of training necessary to train in a full card counter. You just have someone that can play perfect basic strategy, that can throw the bets out there according to um, signals from from the controller is what, what it's called, but the the, per, the actual card counter that is counting, doing true count conversion, and then controls the, the Gorilla BP. Um, and then the, the only other caveat is that the controller has to kind of signal when there was a deviation decision that the that the BP needed to deviate from basic strategy. From my perspective, this was the hardest card counting I ever did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think we need to make it clear that this was no easy feat for you. 
Um, but it was fun. <laughs> it was super fun. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot more uh, thrown in there that you had to be aware of. Uh, you had to make sure that I was making the right decisions for every hand. Well, you, you, you knew basic strategy, so I, I didn't have to worry about that. But yes, if there was a what we call red flag or a deviation hand, I had to either get you to pause mm-hmm. or do the deviation decision faster than you could play basic strategy. Mm-hmm. So some of those are easy. You know, let's say it's a 16 against a 10 and you can't surrender. Um, like a three card 16 against a 10. Well, if it's positive, you stand. If it's negative, you hit. So I could just really quickly say something like, oh, I'd stay. And you knew <laughs> to yeah. do whatever. Right. But other ones, it's like, it might be, uh, you know, soft 19 against a four. And I had to really quickly figure out, is it true three or higher? And mm-hmm. then say like, you know, I'd double that. Um, yeah. So I had to do that as well as the betting. And we just came up with really a simple bet spread that made mm-hmm. it easier for, for both of us. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Yeah. I like, I, I waited for that signal to raise my bed. That's right. I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll tell people our, our code words. No, what if, we, what if we do this again? Okay, I won't tell you our code words, but they, they were simple. Um, they were things that were not odd to say in a casino. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that you're, you're not done. <laughs> no, I'm not done. <laughs> Grace, the girl is in hibernation, but, um, but uh, definitely not retired. I'm ready um, to break out of my gorilla cage. <laughs> So, um, so th- that's how it, that's how it worked. So, yeah, the training was to get you to be flawless at basic strategy, and like we said last time, we really should have tried this mm-hmm. at some, some some low stakes, some low stakes, some casino where we could have you know just figured it out. But instead, mm-hmm. nope, went straight to because <laughs> I I do remember the first session or two, or at least yeah, probably the first session. Um, my like placing a bet, I like my hands were shaking. Yeah, I and that. It, I mean, it, but I think if I would have gotten that out of my system, maybe lower stakes, it mm-hmm. would have been a little bit easier. But which I recommend to anybody, you yeah. know, it, if someone has a fifty thousand dollar bankroll um, from the get go, they shouldn't just be playing off a fifty thousand dollar bankroll. You need to you need to kind of work your way up to it so that you're not making mistakes at. at yeah. But we just went for it. Uh, I regret it, but it worked out okay. Um, so that's. I don't regret it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I regret not. Yeah, I regret not. I uh, get what you're saying. Try, trying some lower stakes to mm-hmm. kind of work out some of the kinks in our system, but but we adapted pretty quickly. Um, so the first question SD one has is uh, he wants to know more about working together as a couple and what that looked like, the challenges and successes. Hi, SD. <laughs> so, you know, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is we talked a bunch on the last time about oh, being on the same page or communication or whatever, but we we were thrilled mm-hmm. to drop off a couple toddlers yes. and be grown-ups uh, getting the high roller comps mm-hmm. and and generating, you know, in the ballpark of four or $500 an hour EV. I, mm-hmm. I was thrilled about that. Yeah. So we were on the same page, but what were you motivated by? Definitely the comps. Yeah, I I don't. It would take a lot of Cirque du Soleil shows for me to get <laughs> sick of them. I think they're fascinating, and, uh, so I was ready to just grind it and get those comps. Yeah, and since I was not new to Vegas, I mean, I'd I'd been playing Vegas for five years, running a team where we always had someone playing in Vegas. I knew I knew the comps. I knew mm-hmm. what our options were, and so yeah, we okay. Well, we want a you know meal at the fine dining at Wynn. So we're going to hit that and mm-hmm. we want this show. So we're going to have to play this place and you, let's get a room at Bellagio. And so we'll mm-hmm. play there and, mm-hmm. you know, got the players cards. And, uh, and of course I was looking at, well, what are the games? I want us playing stand 17, double after split, late surrender, resplit aces, six deck games, because, mm-hmm. uh, it, the BP spotter or controller gorilla BP thing, that's not going to work at double deck. You're Bets are changing too quickly, and uh, a shoe game is just going to be much, much better. And we had a really good bet spread because we had such a large bankroll as a team. We could get away with these um, bet spreads that were starting at higher initial bets mm-hmm. and racking up those comps, but also still, like I said, generating four or 500 an hour. So I'm looking at the games. I'm saying these are the casinos that have these games. We've got to be at the you know $100 tables mm-hmm. and... And uh, then communicating to you, okay, well, these are the comps. Uh-huh. And I feel like 
we both were on the same page about how hard we wanted to work. Yeah. I So I still remember uh, before going on any trips with you and talking with you while you were on a trip. And it was, I don't even know, like multiple times you saying something along the lines of like, well, I haven't eaten anything today. And it was like, <laughs> what do you mean you haven't eaten anything? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, just take a break and get a bite somewhere. And then I remember going on our, it must have been our first trip and every trip after. It was like, yeah, we'd get something for breakfast, but then it wasn't like, it was like eight o'clock. I'd be like, oh man, we got to eat. Yeah. Just going from one place to the next. And I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like we're trying to, we want to get some EV and mm-hmm. it just, it's easy to forget to eat, which was a foreign <laughs> concept for me. Well, especially when it takes like, even if it's a comp meal, how long is it going to take to get the comp, get, yeah. you know, the reservation, mm-hmm. get in there, all that stuff. But the challenge is, I don't know, what, what were the challenges? I mean, it, went, it worked really well for the first three trips, I want to say. And then the fourth, it was like the last night of our trip. Uh, they, yeah. they put us together. Mm-hmm. We got flyered, clearly. Yeah. Um, One after another. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest challenge. I think the, the other challenge is, you know, communicating at the tables was tough. We had a signal... You know, we had signals for bets. We had a signal to end a session, and there was a signal for you to uh, go to the bathroom, which mm-hmm. meant the count sucks. Um, it's mm-hmm. time for you to step away from the table for five minutes till they yeah. shuffle. But there are other times where there's like maybe something nuanced you want to communicate, and it's difficult. You don't want to be talking at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Are you Are you thinking of the story at uh, MGM? <laughs> I'm all yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell tell that story from your perspective? Um, I, I don't remember all the details, but I do remember like, uh, you got up and left or no, I went to, I, you'd signaled for me to get up from the table. So I got up, go to the bathroom, just, I don't, you know, walk around a bit, come back and you were walking away from the table and you were like on the other side of the pit. And I'm like, what is he doing? Colin, Colin. <laughs> and he would kind of give me this like wide eyed look of like, get away, stay. <laughs> well, from my perspective, what, what happened is I send you to go, uh, go to the bathroom because the, the count is negative and I want, you know, the high roller, the other person at the table to play through the negative count. Mm-hmm. And while that's happening, floor supervisor and a security guard come up to me and say, Mr. Jones. And I'd already been backed off from MGM Grand a couple times. Uh, but, you know, Mr. Jones, you're not welcome to play here, which was an absolute shock to me because I wasn't playing. That was that was how this worked is I didn't even play at the table the majority of the time. That way, they never were going to ask for my ID. And if anyone said, well, why aren't you playing? I'd say, oh, I, you know, this is her, you know, gambling, uh, you know, allowance. I've already gambled mine away or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they not only tell me I'm not welcome to play when I'm not playing, but they call me by name. It's like, oh crap, someone recognized me. And so I just want to get out of the casino and then call you and say, hey, cash out your chips, meet me, you know, mm-hmm. wherever. Uh, but then you come out of the bathroom right as I'm walking away and you start <laughs> calling out, call it, call it. And uh, I did not want them putting us together because what? once you're burned. Yeah, I, I get that. Um I think what I, I'm trying to remember the time frame because I was, I think what it was going on in my mind, I think nowadays, like, yeah, we have our phones with us at all times, but I, it was like, I, I don't know if we didn't have our phones or I don't know. I think we but did. It was like, if we get separated, we're in friggin' Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, I didn't know where you were going and how are we going to meet up? And I just didn't, I was like in the dark. I didn't know what was yeah. going on. Yeah, so you know, probably in hindsight, it would have been worth your ID being burned for you to not, you know, to to know what's going on. But no, I I was all for that. I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, uh, so that that was a challenge. Yeah, that was a challenge. As far as successes, you know, I, well, I can remember one other challenge. I remember being at Bellagio, and the I, something had just ended. I don't remember what it was. If it was a show or like a fight had been on TV or there's something, but like some people come out from some event and these guys show up to a table. I want to say it was a $200 
minimum table and they're betting like $5,000 a hand. Mm -hmm. Just, it's like two guys and, um, they're just high-fiving and having fun. And, and I'm back counting that table because that's what you do. And we weren't even there to, to play. I think we were there to use a comp or, or to something, but I see that the count goes up and I'm like, jump in, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and and you wouldn't do it (laughs) because they're betting so much money. You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And, you know, just having been a card counter at the time for, I don't know, five years is just the ethos is like, you've got a good shoe. You just jump in. Well, even now thinking back on that, I think, oh man, shoot, that would have been great cover. Exactly. I mean, well, perfect. yeah, there's no way they're going to worry about you yeah. betting, no, you know, I, I what were you I betting? I was up? intimidated at the time, but yeah, now yeah. I see that, that I would, I would take that any day now. Yeah. That, so that, that was tough for me. I felt like as, as, you know, part of the team, it was like, you know, there's always another positive count. It's not like one shoe, you know, would have really meant much in the, in the grand scheme of things, but it, it felt, we had mm-hmm. this, this ethos of you don't walk away from a positive shoe. Yeah. That was just difficult because you hadn't been, you know, kind of, uh, trained exactly for that. As far as successes, I mean, I felt like it worked overall remarkably well. Yeah. I was, I was trying to think of more, uh, any more challenges. And I, I think we did, I think there was never like these big conflicts of like you, you know, either one of us wanting to get in some more hours and the other person like, no, I'm done. You know, I think we were like, I'm getting kind of tired. Yeah, me too. Okay. Let's, let's be done or let's get out there. Let's, you know, I Mm -hmm. I felt like we had similar um, motivation and energy, um, but I could see that being a challenge. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I, I was more motivated by comps than you were. You'd kind of been there, done that, or just it wasn't as much of an interest to you. Yeah, but I think that was some of the give and take. Like mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to get the comps, you had to generate a bunch of EV yeah. and and uh, part of the you know and I, and the, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I remember that meal at Win was it was really enjoyable, or mm-hmm. um, you know just some of the. Some of the shows, mm-hmm. um, eh, one of the, the show that comes to mind wasn't that good, but there were other, yeah. other times, um, even like bowling with my brother and yeah. sister-in-law uh-huh. getting in, you know, uh, it's not that big of a deal, but it was just fun. Yeah. And knowing that, that it was all on the, the casino's dime. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next question. Dagobert Duck says, when Grace was the BP, was it an issue to put the big bets out and go with the swings since you went from zero to a huge bankroll spread. I think we just kind of went over some of that at yeah. least. Yeah. I remember your hands shaking, mm-hmm. um, but you did it, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't put out half bets or anything. Um, and there is something nice. I think that the code word told you what to bet mm-hmm. and you, you either mm-hmm. did it or you didn't, I guess you didn't at Bellagio next to the $5,000 uh, high rollers, but the rest of the time, yeah, you did it. Did did it get more comfortable after you know? Yeah, I think like it seemed every subsequent trip. I think maybe that it was always kind of the first session of like getting back into the groove of it. Um, I think that was always a little bit of a challenge, you know, or maybe not even a challenge, but it was. I just remember, you know, like okay, uh, you know, just a little bit nervous of wanting to make sure that I played every hand. Well, and I, I've told people, Correctly. I still get that, like the first 10, 15 minutes of a session, mm-hmm. that kind of like butterflies, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. well, what's going to happen? And then, you know, and then I feel like that work, works its way out and, and you just play. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paradigm asks, how did Grace feel when she had heat on her? Um, how did she feel about it after it passed? Yeah, I think the butterflies too, but I, I'm sure every AP, well, no, I'm not sure, but I would think every AP kind of has that like, oh, everybody knows what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I, stepping up to the table, I think I felt that a little bit, at least initially. I feel like we didn't usually know when there was heat. I, I remember it's sometimes in Vegas, it can just come down real quick. Like we're playing and everything fu- seems fine. And then all of a sudden, there's like a suit right there. Yeah, I I like to think of myself as not being uh, 
like scared or afraid in those moments or that was, I wouldn't say that that was my, that, that was an issue for me. Um, I think the only thing that bothered me about heat was, oh crap, we're not going to get any. That's right. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're not going to get any comps and, oh man, our, my time here being rated is done. I, yeah. I think that was more the disappointment than just being like these suits coming up behind. And... Yeah. I don't, I, I don't really fear the the actual back off. It's more that, oh, one less place yeah. to generate EV. That, well, and I that think that old. time getting flyered, it was it was more of a disappointment. It was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to, we, we got backed off at MGM Grand and then, you know, I don't remember if it was the same night or the next, the next night. We go one place, play a little bit, get backed off, go to the next place. It's like even shorter, get back to, and it's mm-hmm. like, great, you know? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating. And, Every card counter has to has to deal deal with that. But I I was gonna say one thing that helped as the gorilla BP. You're not counting. You're able to basically play and converse. Mm-hmm. I could still interact with the dealers and pit bosses pretty yeah. well because all I'm doing is playing basic strategy. And I think part of that talking with the dealers, pit bosses, mm-hmm. um, it meant you were focusing less on heat i was maybe mm-hmm. had had my spidey senses mm-hmm. uh for all that but it really it felt like there was no heat and then all and of a sudden there was <laughs> yeah all of a sudden a back off or, or whatever i don't remember any like close calls of a oh, let's get out of here mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it happened i just don't even remember paradigm also asked did either of us struggle with seeing through the stigma of card counting being viewed as cheating or gambling when I first, when Colin first started, um, did you have to struggle with seeing card counting as cheating or gambling or, or we dealt a lot with other people viewing it that way? Yeah. Uh, no, I, nothing that I recall. Um, but, but a, a lot of other people. Yes. Maybe we talked more about that last time. Yeah. yeah. Went through seasons of caring or not caring what other people thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I think Again, it was your personality I knew wasn't like the... You didn't have the gambler in you. Um, you were more based on numbers and the math and investing. And uh, so I I think it was it, the... I didn't have a fear of you gambling or... Yeah. It never gets fun when someone's like, isn't that illegal? Or, oh, so you gamble or... Yeah. Uh, that never gets fun, but I think you get a, a sense of confidence of, I trust it. I don't, mm-hmm. other people don't need to get it. Mm-hmm. That's like a Freakonomics has this great podcast episode on how to change your mind. And what basically, um, what they've learned is that we think that we come to something, uh, unbiased, hear information and then make up our minds based on it. But, but what they found is that's not at all true. We come to something already believing something. And then we get information and we kind of filter if we're going to, if we're going to believe that. So if someone comes at me and is like, oh, don't you think it's wrong to gamble? I could try to say, well, you know, we don't view it as gambling. We use software. We know exactly our risk and our return on investment, but usually they've already made up their mind and you can't really get someone. The way that people actually can change their mind is if they're willing to empathize and and try to argue the other side. And someone that is willing to do that to say, oh, I wonder, you know, is card counting investing? How, how would it be? Then they're going to get it. Otherwise, they're just going to like have this uh, mental block or, or yeah. cognitive dissonance. And I would say cheating was never like even on my radar. Uh, like the, it's not cheating. You're using your brain. When has that ever been cheating? Yeah, that that's the silliest argument. If you want yeah. to call it cheat, cheating, like that one, maybe I'll say, how is it cheating? You know, mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, we're allowed to use our brains yeah. in casinos. Therefore, it's not cheating. But all right, moving on. Nubs, hey, Nubs. Uh, Nubs1981 says, on your blackjack trips together, what did you do or see for fun as tourists instead of APs? So what are some favorite uh, places to visit if we're in or around Vegas, what would you say? Well, we've definitely done Red Rock a number of times. Yeah, hiked it, yeah. Uh, taken pictures. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I always forget, almost every time. I, I think now that our 
since our last trip, I realize it now. I think I've gotten it down, but you really have to be, it's like, oh, let's go to Red Rock. And then you go, you hike around, and then you have like another 20 to minute to half hour drive outside park yeah i always forget about that part it's one way and last time i think i drove the wrong way for a, a while to get back to a, a, <laughs> a vantage point that we missed yeah um yeah so red rock um i remember there was a period of time we actually we stayed with our kids for about a month yeah um and i i was kind of determined just to you know see some more historical things or uh just get a take the kids around. Like the chocolate Do, museum. Yeah, so we did the, we did that one the a few historical times. historical places like the chocolate museum. No, we did the dairy, the dairy farm. Oh, historical dairy farm. It was. It was when it, like, it started with a little horse and buggy oh, kind of thing. well, I missed it, so I'm... You did, so don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so we the kids and I would go around and do fun things, different parks and stuff. But I went to the M M&M and M thing did. with you guys. Uh huh. I think of restaurants and some meals. Uh, let's see, we we did an escape room. Yeah, we've done yeah done a few escape rooms mm-hmm. in Vegas. Um, well, there's also Zion. Yes. So if you've got like a day, it's. You can be there in what two and a half hours, three hours. I forget how long. Something but like it that. It is beautiful. Yeah, Zion. It feels like you're in on another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got a day, you can drive up there, spend you know several hours, and drive back. Or if you've got overnight, you can just stay up there. But Zion is is awesome. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly casinos. So, yeah. you know, we hardly go to the Las Vegas Strip anymore we're, mm-hmm. we're in vegas a lot but mm-hmm. you know we'll hit our hot spots like island sushi or mm-hmm. uh in and out or i don't know what else there is i think that's it i i mean i just i just think back to um some of our meals i remember oh. i hate i hate the palms but we had <laughs> an amazing meal there at one of their asian restaurants yeah comped yeah what else oh there's we... fogo de chow Oh yeah, that's that's that one place that is we really good. Up. You can do just just this is a pro tip from Tommy Highland. You can do just the salad bar. salad bar and just get bacon. Oh man, they've got some some <laughs> sort of maple brown sugar bacon or I don't know what it is, it's but good. It, oh man, yeah, really good. So maybe we're hungry. Let's move on. Johnny Mac says, Grace, uh, what is it like for you when you and Colin are out in public? And the groupies start flocking around, so the, which is ridiculous. But but the reason why um, I left this question on there is because it reminds me of stories of crowds at casinos. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, so I can think of a few times. One uh, was at uh, Muckleshoot. This was there's like this infamous day where I. I, this was early, early ish on our, we were on, I don't know, maybe, maybe a hundred thousand dollar bankroll. And I was playing there three, four, five days a week. And I had this day where I just, I was playing there all day and I just kept winning, but I wasn't even keeping track. I wasn't adding up my chips, but I just kept winning and winning and winning. And uh, then you came in and you met me for a comp to dinner. Do you remember this? Very vaguely. And I, I, right when you get there, I think I was back counting a table. It goes positive. I start playing and this crowd of people, they're all telling you. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, That's right. What were they saying? There's, uh, you should get him to back away or like have him get up while he's, while he's up or. Yeah. They're all like, trying to convince yeah. you to get me to stop That's gambling. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Um, when it was all said and done, I was, I was, up, I don't remember. It was something like $23,000. Um, and. It and, was really awkward. <laughs> Uh, it was this weird folklore th- thing in the Seattle area because that was a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, for ba- for back then. It was before the church team, and it was it, you know it was probably one of those like three standard deviation wins. And then the next day, I get backed off. But but I remember all the people trying to tell you to get me yeah, to leave, and I right. also remember in Wyoming. Do you remember that? That was like that little tiny gas station place, casino. Yeah. I think they have a real casino now, but back then it was like you walk through this hallway from. So, slot machines into this one pit of like four tables and And there's like construction going on Mm -hmm. around and and so 
I played a bit. I got them to raise the table limits. I win something like, uh, I'll say 7,000 and I go to cash out. And the, the cashier is like, I'm sorry. I don't, I've never seen this much money. We've got to get money out of the safe. And so what do we do while they're getting money? I go back and I start playing some more. And during that, a crowd appeared and they're, it was the same thing. Yeah, trying to get me to convince you to back back away from the table. Yeah. <laughs> Degenerate gambler who won't stop losing. Well, what was kind of sad won't is stop I, winning. I, actually, I started lo- I lost all of it back. Um, and so they're like, get it. You can you can tell him to stop. You can tell him he, he needs right. to stop. And I, right. I lose all the money back. And then I win it all back, plus a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so I, I proved those those guys wrong. Yeah. But they uh, were, yeah, they were offering like to help me get you out of the <laughs> casino. Oh, it's really so sad. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what it made me think of the uh, crowds in casinos, which uh, right now during I know casinos are reopening and they're not allowing crowds at the tables mm-hmm. because they don't want people just standing around uh, watching to try to socially distance. Mm-hmm. But um, it's definitely a thing. I didn't. I never felt comfortable having much of a crowd watching just because I don't really want a bunch of people seeing the kind of money we had. Well, and uh, we don't see that, or you don't see that much, at least in Vegas. I mean, we were talking about Muckleshoot and Wyoming. I mean, those are... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Muckleshoot is the biggest and best in the Northwest. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, Okay, Dumonk says... Their claim, not mine. (laughs) Dumonk says, hello, Grace. Uh, have you guys hello. ever ever had the cornflake French toast at Tulalip? I have not. We have eaten at Tulalip Bay a hand, uh, quite a few times. Not <laughs> at all in the last 10 no, years. But... No, but no, I have not had the cornflake French toast, and yeah. it sounds amazing. So maybe you'll have to come out of retirement and we can get some comps, <laughs> comps at Tulalip. Uh, I did have a guy... He was, he, we knew him from church and then he's, he's like a pastor now. And I saw him and he was like, Colin, I never forgot that meal that you gave us to Tulalip Bay. He and his wife went, we gave him a comp and I guess they enjoyed like a $200 comp at Tulalip Bay. And I had forgotten that, that we'd done that because it was, I don't remember that. could get, get one of those like every session back in the day, but mm-hmm. I don't think we ever had breakfast there and i if i never ate at the buffet either no we always just did the mm-hmm. yeah the, the fine diet or else i would do the little deli and i'd get like a five dollar pizza and then fill up the rest of my comp with juice with like all sorts yeah energy drinks and juices and waters and bring yeah, them, bring them home. with cases yeah uh, so no we haven't had had that uh skipper 10 uh whose profile picture is the dude um <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to read this question picturing Jeffrey Lebowski reading this to me. But he says, what would be the right way to convince the significant other uh, for team play? Uh, just like you guys used to play. Um, what would you say to the dude, Skipper 10? What would be the right way to convince your significant other? Uh, well, dude... I don't know you or your significant other, so I can't give you like a one. A, there is no one answer. I, well, I would I say if you're trying to convince someone. Whatever motivates them. Like, obviously, you hear me talking about awesome meals and shows. Uh, so, you know, I know you can get I don't, if people are, if your significant other is into uh, nice clothes. Or, I mean, casinos give out comps for. <laughs> boutiques and different things oh spa treatments there you go uh massage or facial you know i don't know what motivates your significant other but there's a lot of things out there that could be motivating i would i would caution you against trying to convince anyone mm-hmm. they should do advantage play uh when we started the church team or even before the church team we just thought this was the most amazing thing mm-hmm. and we couldn't believe anyone wouldn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we tried to convince all of our friends to become card carriers because who wouldn't? And then you realize it really takes a special person to mm-hmm. enjoy it, to do it well. And, you know, uh, very much stop trying to convince people to become card counters. If anything, later on in the church team, when someone was said they were interested, we'd, 
try to convince them not to. We'd say like, well, you know, here are all the downsides. If someone's still interested after hearing all the downsides, well, okay, they might want to do it. But especially if it's a significant other, you don't want conflict. If you've Mm -mm. tried to convince them and it's really a bad fit, you you don't, yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. Well, and I think we talked about this last time, but um, I really enjoyed sitting at the tables with you. Uh, Yeah. And so I, I'd, I don't know how many hours I had spent sitting with you. And um, so I already knew what I would be getting into if I were to yeah. do the same. So, I, you know, maybe that could be a start. I don't know if your significant other uh, enjoys going with you. But if they don't enjoy going with you, it's going to be hard. To... Yeah, that's a really good idea that say, hey, significant other, come watch, you know, come to a session while I play at the casino and see what you think. And if they're like, oh, wow, actually, this is pretty fun, then you mm-hmm. could consider a next step. But I think it also it shows it's not just showing up at the casino and sitting down at a table and playing for hours. There's a lot of, like, if you're going to play the game right, there's a lot of standing, back counting, wonging in, wogging out. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, like, actual playtime, you know, if... if they don't really know what they're getting into and there is just a lot of standing around going to the next place you know anyway so they they need to know what they're getting into yeah i agree all right the man in black asks what was life like for you guys before kids was starting a big family always the long-term plan or did you your feelings change at some point uh how difficult is or was the balancing of family life and professional life um what was life like before kids Different. <laughs> yeah, pretty different. Um, I I don't even really know how to, it's. Yeah, I don't really know how to respond. I I don't know if you have kids now, um, but obviously kids are big life changers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we we kind of wonder what we did with our time. Yeah. Before kids, uh, because there's a lot less time. I think I got a lot less done, honestly. Yeah. Uh, before kids than I I am able to get done now. Yeah, they force you to step up your game. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I remember always, not I don't know about always, but before we got married, thinking like, oh yeah, three to six kids, I probably assumed it would be more on the three kids side, but mm-hmm. we, we took it one at a time, one one uh, one baby at a time. We did. Uh, I would say, my, in my answer to that, um, did it, we always want a large family, and my answer would be no. <laughs> Yeah. I remember at some point thinking, like, I, I am the youngest of three, and I remember thinking, like, ah, oh, three is just kind of a weird number, so you always have two on one, but four is is too even, and five is way too many. <laughs> I, I just remember at one point th- feeling that. I, I think that was pre-kids, um, but... I think we're very fortunate to have, you know, I, I've run my own business, and it it's... I mean, it's rare that I've worked over 20 hours a week that, mm-hmm. uh, in the past 15 years mm-hmm. and uh, that I'm, I'm home a lot. Yeah. And so we always took it one, one kid at a time, but I remember having, you know, four kids and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's have a fifth. And then mm-hmm. having five kids and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's have a sixth. Then having a sixth and being like, we're done. Yeah. I think, you know, I honestly am hesitant in, in the ways to answer this question because there's so many opinions out there and just different, um, what, yeah, what, what people want or think is right or, um, and I, but I will say, I think, uh, there, when I got pregnant with, I think, uh, our third and fourth, it, it was really difficult, uh, just, um, I, I think just emotionally it was, it was difficult, um, at the time, but the idea of not having any one of our children, uh, is a sad thought. And then after, after having the third, we adapted Yeah. and yeah, but I think that more. initial, yeah, getting pregnant tough. and being, yeah, it was yeah. cause we were, yeah, first four kids, it was pretty, pretty close together there. So we were, we were mm-hmm. outnumbered and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, there were, there were some challenging couple of years, but mm-hmm. uh, it was never a regret of having them. It was just no. like, oh, man, this is really overwhelming. Yeah, it was. We had lots of little ones at one 
time. So Grace, both of her parents, both of your parents mm -hmm. are the youngest of six. So neither of us came from a large family, but you come from a very large extended family. Yeah, I do. So that wasn't odd. It's not like, mm -mm. Uh, it mm -hmm. was probably more odd for me because I come from a pretty small family. But I think that we just have a really high high value for, for kids and family mm -hmm. where, yeah, it's like a crap ton of work, but uh, I don't know what other work we would be doing other mm -hmm. than, you know, getting to, to raise and enjoy these uh, six awesome kids. And I mean... Yeah, don't take my word for it. Meet our kids and you'll say they're awesome. I don't like post them on Blackjack Apprenticeship or really talk about them because I don't think that's fair to them. Mm -hmm. But uh, some, some of you guys have met them and you'd attest uh, <laughs> you're glad we had each of them. <laughs> or are they? Would they tell us otherwise? Yeah, they might. Um, I, I was also going to say during this quarantine time, it is wonderful. I mean, for the most part. <laughs> there, there definitely are still difficult days or times of the day, but um, they have each other to play with. Like yeah. I can't imagine having one or two and you get sick of one and you don't have anybody else to go to. Yeah. But they have other siblings to go <laughs> and play with. It's wonderful. And we made a few good investments. Uh, at Christmas, our son bought the game... Uh, Exploding Kittens. Exploding Kittens. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So Joe Seven Four Eight, I think, introduced us to the game, and my our son got it for the family at Christmas, and then we got the expansion pack. And then during this quarantine, we doubled down by getting Throw Throw Burrito, mm -hmm. and more recently, Bears versus Babies. Yeah. And so these are some like kind of ridiculous games, but Very ridiculous, but it's so fun. A lot of hours, and uh, you know, even Grace and I will get in there and be. <laughs> chucking burritos uh <laughs> at, at each other um and at the kids yeah the kids love you get to choose who gets to duel yeah and a lot of times the kids choose you and i to duel yeah and i'm, I'm actually really bad at it and i i blame it on being a big target i'm a much larger target than these you're much you have much better aim than i do um my aim's okay but uh i don't think i'm very quick <laughs> they just checked that burrito. Okay, let's move on. Um, he also asked, the man black also asked, uh, what I think is the most important basic strategy for being a good husband and father? Well, that is deep. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, gosh. Uh, the, you know, some people say kids need quality time and some people say they need quantity time. And I would say both. Mm -hmm. Um it's not easy, but to try to be present when I'm around the kids and, and to be around, you know, um, I've, I heard someone talking about even your kids seeing you like do your taxes or whatever that, that, that they learn from that. Um, I think one thing we've learned is that kids are learning by observation all the time. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, even like investing in yourself, like growing, um, growing, I would say spiritually, but also emotionally, Mentally, your kids are observing that and they're going to benefit from it. So, uh, and also like um, being willing to sacrifice um, it. Think of it as an investment, mm -hmm. you know, every time you choose to not just like uh, choose what you want over your, your family, you're investing in them. Investing is a sacrifice. You're choosing to not spend money to see a greater return over time. Well, it's the same, I think, with with our families to choose to not spend your time on yourself, uh, for that investment. Um, and, and, uh, it's like, it's like that song cats in the cradle and the silver spoon that the dad realizes, Oh, he always told his son he was going to make time for him. And then he never did. Hmm. Uh, so there's, there's my answer. Let's move on. Text man says grease the gorilla in the limited card can conversations I've had with anyone unfamiliar with the subject. I found it best practice to not initiate the conversation. Always keep it in the front of my mind that my mission is not to convince them of the mathematical validity, uh, but provide an opportunity to answer questions for someone who's willing to figure out the truth for themselves. So I think here's the question. A couple months back, I was explaining card counting to my in-laws and was absolutely ridiculed, but my wife jumped in to backroom them 
while they were pouncing on me. It was dreamy. Do you have any times where, where you felt offended at, at about someone's judgment or misconception about Colin's counting? Did you ever fire back an intense response in the course of defending your man's <laughs> honor? I, I like your story uh, and I like your question. I, um, I think maybe in the beginning I felt a lot more um, defensive uh, now, nowadays I, I wouldn't say I feel as quick to jump or pounce because I most likely people who respond to it aggressively, I'm not going to convince them otherwise, but I, I will share one story, uh, somewhat recently, maybe you've already told this story. I hope it's a story I was thinking of. <laughs> At the kids' school? Yes. <laughs> so we were taken our son he was going on a a class trip and I was there with other parents and you know I get the question from one of the other kids moms uh like oh so what is what does your husband do and I you know I think my go-to at least for now is like well it's a strange one just you know I'd say that initially like it's this is it's weird so brace yourself (laughs) um and I tell her and her husband is right there and he said, well, that's cheating. Yeah. You said, yeah, you, you explain, oh, I he, explain what he did. He's a card counter. He's a card or he has a website trained people how to count cards. And, uh, and he, he says, uh, that's illegal. Um, and I was like, well, actually, you know, it's frowned upon, but it's not illegal. No, it's illegal. And she said, his his wife says, yeah, he used to be a dealer. <laughs> and I I did, I chuckled inside and it's like, well, it's, it isn't illegal. And you know, it's, so it, it was, to me, it's, so it's kind of comical now, I think when the different comments that people make. So I, I, I wouldn't say I get aggressive and I'd feel like I have to defend him, but you know, I, I am all for truth. Yeah. And I, if, if I remember correctly, you said, well, you know, the casinos can back you off for mm-hmm. it, but it's not illegal. And then he, yeah. he kind of relented and he said, okay, well, it's not, il- it's not illegal. Yeah, it did. You're right. It, that's, I'm glad you you remember it better than I do, but it, I don't think he was full, still fully convinced. <laughs> yeah. But you defended your man's honor. I did. As tax man. <laughs> Wife, wife did. Um, and yeah, he, he gets to that, that point. Like, you know, if people are curious, they'll ask questions. Mm-hmm. If they've already made up their mind and they're judging you, uh, yeah, just move on with your life. And mm-hmm. um, With your in-laws, it's a little harder to move on with your life. But Yeah, that's true. It's, that's a really tough one. And I, I've told people, they'll ask me, how do I, you know, my so-and-so, my family or is concerned. And I say, well, you know, you could show them Holy Rollers which is the documentary about the church team, simply because it shows real people doing it mm-hmm. um, and, you know, a real blackjack team and what it's like. And it explains a lot of those questions where you're not defending it. It's just, well, watch the documentary and see what you think. Or people could watch uh, Inside the Edge and see, you know, see it in a way that kind of empathizes with card counters that we're playing the game they offer with our brains and getting like sometimes treated poorly for playing smart. Um, all right. Splitting snowmen. And I'll say this splitting snowmen, you get the award for the most impossible to answer questions. There's two of them. And I, I don't really know how to answer them, but we're going to see what happens here. Uh, he says, if grace said, here's a million dollar bankroll and I want you to double it before you come back home, what would be my approach to the game? And she is serious. Well, so this is, I guess, a question question for me. First off, Grace would never say that. Um, I don't think he, she's ever implied that I need to make more money or work more. No. Um, but no, I. You know what? Recently, I have tried to encourage you to get out and play a little bit. Yeah, but not for the money. No. Mm-mm. Just because you want to get me out of the house. No, it's not even that. It just uh, get out and play. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it, it is. It's really hard for me to say, "Hey, uh, let me leave my family to go play blackjack when I don't need to, when I don't need the money." Um, but it it actually, I enjoy going on a couple trips a year to really know what it's like out there, and to, mm-hmm. and to, honestly, I've had some of my best ideas 
for training people or, or ways to generate more EV just from getting out there and playing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some kind of like uh, game-changing ideas. So, so yeah, you've been supportive of that. I have a feeling this question is less about me though, yeah. and more about, hey, Colin. How, how would, would you, I double a million-dollar bankroll? Yeah, yeah well, um, that's a really good question. How would I double a million-dollar bankroll? I mean, uh, first, I would legally change my name. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, I would probably uh, delete the Blackjack Apprenticeship YouTube channel. Uh, and remove my image from anywhere on the internet that I could. Um, so with those, I would have a better chance at not being, you know, uh, because I still can play, but I'm not playing, you know, two spots of $3,000 or, or, you know, whatever. Um, next, I would, I would just hit the road and not just the road in the U.S. I'd, I'd probably just say, I'm going to play, you know, I'd, I'd pull the Yoshi or Joe Sum 48 approach and I would... Uh, go from casino to casino playing whatever limits I felt like I could, or I guess the Casey approach, you know, uh, maybe I'd get some uh, sprinter van that I could sleep in or whatever. And, uh, but I would, I would never do that because uh, my family is more important than, than money. Um, but that would be my approach. I would probably also um, try to, try to learn as many forms of advantage play as I could. If my goal is to get to a million dollars as quickly as possible, uh, card counting would be my default. But like Richard Munchkin says, you don't want to have tunnel vision. You want to walk into a casino and see every opportunity that that's in there. So I would, I would brush up on some other skills for sure. I would network as well as I possibly could. And I would just play relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what I would do. Um, his second question also for me is what's the distribution of success from card counters you've trained? Some possible categories would be X percent went broke, X percent ended up broke and in Gamblers Anonymous, X percent uh, broke even over time and had great experiences, X percent ground out some pocket money, X percent made a decent living and X percent retired from money. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. I send out a survey usually every year that to our members just asking like, what were your results? And it's completely anonymous, just so that I have a feel for who our group is. But it's a the distribution curve is, you know, in the three positive standard deviations, you know, I can think of uh, a few million dollar card counters, you know, like less than less than 10. Um, and there's going to be a large group of people that, you know, maybe didn't even finish their training. There's a higher percentage of people that have been to a boot camp. It's just, I think that's more serious people, but definitely not every person that goes to a boot camp ends up finishing their training. Um, as far as end up in Gamblers Anonymous, yeah, there's there's probably those because I get emails. I mean, I, I got a horrible one last week. Uh, some guy, he looked really young and, and he just reached out to me through social media, said that he'd gambled all his money away, was in debt and living in his car. And he, wanted, he was asking me for advice. And mm-hmm. my advice was, get into Gamblers Anonymous mm-hmm. or get into counseling for an addictive compulsion. That's like the only advice I have. I, I try to give him some hope. I said, you can put your life back together, but you got to get some help. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are those people, but he's not a member. He's not someone I've trained. He's, you know, I just get these emails and I'm always really honest with people. Uh, if, if they need help, like the solution isn't card counting. The solution is dealing with, with the addiction, um, and, uh, and figuring out why you're acting compulsively with gambling. But yeah, I don't know. It's probably a pretty normal distribution curve where in the middle, there are the people that get to a point where they're playing a break-even game, but then on both sides are people that, that uh, some, some winners, some people that did not train well enough to become winners, uh, some very successful people, and probably some very unsuccessful people. But I, don't, I probably don't hear as much from, from them. And it's not, the, in my opinion, it's not the training. It's that they didn't do the training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Moving on. Bob BD says, Grace, is the Buffalo wing recipe yours or Colin's? And do you like them as much as Colin? It is Colin's recipe. Uh, Colin has his few go-to recipes and that is his. Yeah. I've got a couple other recipes that I'm holding, holding back for you guys for if I do another YouTube live for our members. So I've got two other ones to share with you guys. But that was just for fun. I thought I'd share my buffalo wing recipe. Do you like so, them as much as I do? 
I would say I do. It's not possible <laughs> because I like... <laughs> is that no. a challenge? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a family favorite. The kids don't is. have the... They don't use the hot sauce, like the the Franks or the no, they, fire on they the mountain do. sauce. They like to a um, little bit. mix it with the blue cheese. Okay. Get a little bit of spice. But um, no, I love it. And in fact, just a couple days ago, I was like, oh, what if we had your buffalo uh, wings? And you were like, no, we can't have it too much or else we'll get sick of it. And I... I do agree. It's hard to imagine getting sick of it, but it is, it's one of those like, oh, special things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yes. But Grace it is. It is Collins, and yes, I do like it as much as. Grace is the much better cook. Uh, she makes the majority of the meals, and um, I've got like a couple things that I that I feel like I can make well, and Grace has Con- dozens of things she makes well. This probably isn't a surprise to any of you because Colin likes his numbers and so but he is very he's a recipe follower that's right and I am not so much of a recipe no but but you're a much better cook uh his follow-up question is do either of us play a musical instrument do you play I will say no okay you you I I dabble dabble in in occasionally yeah uh I play I play a bunch of instruments that's that was what I was really into um, I mean, from 14. Colin was on. a rock star. I don't know, not star. <laughs> uh, I've, I've played different instruments. Uh, I, I, that's, I have played guitar, bass, or drums uh, in, in front of audiences. I would say each of, each of those instruments in front of audiences of at least, you know, maybe 500 people. But I would say I'm now someone that used to play guitar well. <laughs> used to you play. play piano as well. Yeah, I had to take piano lessons forever. Okay. Who cares about this? Let's move on to more interesting things. Um, Jack Jack, this is our last question. We'll wrap this up. Jack Jack says, I'd like to hear more conversations on things in general. It doesn't need to be blackjack or AP related. Could be things like UFOs, Bigfoot, <laughs> Egyptian and Mayan pyramids, any good formative or travel stories, even stories from the field. You guys are just fun to listen to. Well, thank you, Jack Jack. Well, we were just talking about buffalo wings yeah. and musical instruments. Um, do you believe in UFOs? I do not. Okay. Do you believe in Bigfoot? I do not, but I know people. I know people that actually do. Do you believe in card counting? <laughs> what is this you say about card counting? Um, yeah, this might have to be another another podcast. Um, but Travel stories? Um we have some fun travel stories. We've been able to... That was my one thing. When I was asked, Grace, what do you want to do or be when you grow up? I'd say, I want to travel. And we have been able to travel. We have. We went to uh, Europe for a friend's wedding when our firstborn, he was like two months old. So I got this little baby strapped, yeah. strapped to you. And, uh, and we had a blast. We went for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with Ben and Cammie and we... Went to the wedding in northern Italy, and we went around Austria and Italy with this little baby. Even the wedding was, uh, our friend who was from Austria was marrying an Italian, Italian. Uh-huh. and it was, the ceremony was translated from, was it German? Like, she even had, like, German... It, well, because, yeah, in Austria, it's, so it was translated from Italian to German to English. Yes. It was, for, for us, it was for it, us, just the four of us Americans yeah, who were yeah. there. I think. Uh, yeah, we've traveled. We've been to Costa Rica together. We've been to uh, Israel, Guatemala. Um, yeah, Guatemala. My parents lived there for a number of years. Um, been to Mexico, Canada, and then we did a road trip, a blackjack road trip. Uh, when when you were pregnant mm-hmm. with our first, we flew to the East Coast and spent like a month driving back mm-hmm. to Seattle and played a whole bunch of blackjack. I played and you sat at the table next to me and we mm-hmm. visited friends all along the way. We camped in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Um, we've camped in Yosemite. Um, and even with kids, you know, we do more road trips and flying because yes. that's a little easier, but we actually still do want to do a bit of travel. We've talked about going to Europe for six months mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of homeschooling the kids for that time. And I'd run blackjack apprenticeship from there or whatever. So we don't think we're done with our traveling. And uh, played some funny blackjack games. Played a 22 game in Austria that I'm sure I didn't have an edge at. Uh, but Ben and I played it for like 10 minutes. And you had to like get a coat. or Oh, that, that a was a different. Code. Yeah, so that was not. Yeah, that was a different casino. That wasn't 22. 
Um, but yeah, we had to we had to wear coats to go into the casino. Uh, played in Costa Rica at a at a kind of like hole in the wall game. Played up in Canada. So yeah, we've done some travel. We've done some international blackjack. Not much. I'm I'm no uh, vagabond, um, like generating EV all over the world. But but traveling's a lot of fun. We have not seen any UFOs on our travel. Uh, we have yet to see Egyptian or Mayan pyramids, though. I would love to. That sounds fun. Yeah. So there, there you I go. I like that question. Yep. Um, alrighty. We are over an hour in. We're going to wrap this up. I hope this isn't too boring for you guys, but gives you a little bit of spotlight into the Gorilla BP stuff. And if there's any questions that we didn't answer fully or, or follow-up questions, feel free to ask in the forum where, where I'll post the link to this podcast. And if you're not a member, well, you should probably become a member to Blackjack Apprenticeship so that you can ask me questions in the forum so you can get the very best video course out there, training drills, betting software, casino <laughs> database, uh, members-only podcasts, and well, I don't know what else I'm forgetting. What do you think? Yeah? Yeah, they totally should. They totally should. Um, all right. Take care, guys. I know casinos are starting to open back up, so you guys can start generating EV again if you feel safe. Otherwise, you know, stay safe at home, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. All right. See you later.